You are listening to Changing the Game with me, Wilson Casado. What is the game? The game is everything. Everything from the education you receive to the career or business you pursue. In regards to diversity and inclusion, though, there isn't a level playing field. The show will allow us to hear from those who are challenging the status quo. It is about creating a new future where things are done differently, a future with diversity and inclusion, and most importantly, a future where everyone has access to play the game. Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, I'm Wilson Casado, and here today with uh, Dan from WeMoney. And this is a new season of Changing the Game. So welcome to this new season. In the first season, we talk with uh, fantastic women uh, about their journey, uh, focus a little bit in that sort of uh, gender diversity side of things. This new season is a completely different take. So we're going to be talking about innovation. We're going to be talking about uh, uh, you know, the journey of uh, founders and the journey of investors. Today, I am here with Dan. And I was making a joke with him because they then make it very easy for me to read his bio. His bio is as simple as, simple as Dan from WeMoney. So welcome to the show, Dan. Wilson, so good to be on the show with you, mate, and um, love what you're doing here with Changing the Game and um, very, very honored to be the first guest of season two. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's our honor to have you, man. So for, uh, for all of you guys, so I have been... Uh, known Dan for uh, for time now. So he has uh, he's a, a serious entrepreneur and 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 we money is his uh, new company. So I am uh, you know a humble investor in the company and and I'm loving the journey that he's going uh, through. So then what about if we start with you uh, uh, telling us a story about uh, you know how you came to be how you came to become an entrepreneur. What is your story? Wilson, that's such a good question. And I think you, it, it, the the looking backwards when you get a little bit older, it becomes more and more clearer because you get to pick out and connect the dots on, on the journey. But I would say that, you know, it started probably at a pretty young age. And, um, you know, my biggest influence was my mum. You know, my mum, uh, I got to see her through being a, a first-time, you know, immigrant and, you know, first-time mum and, you know, looking after two small kids. And um, coming from a really... Um, low socioeconomic background and having to um, sticky tape your whole life together, not just um, your home life, but everything, your financial life, it kind of really gave me a good sense of appreciation that if you're going to get anywhere in this world, you've got to hustle. And I just saw that hustle in my mom at a very young age. And um, it uh, it largely comes from you know her, uh, her influence. And uh, she was an entrepreneur. She was uh, a person that couldn't string a sentence together in English but ended up becoming um, uh, quite a successful property developer. And uh, my first memories of my mum and entrepreneurship was here was a lady on a building site um, talking to people about how she wanted a home constructed without being able to speak to English. And just the, 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 the admiration and respect that people had for her in that game, I got to see that um, right up front. And that just uh, really inspired me to think about, you know, do I want to go to... Well, my dad often said that 
my dad was the complete opposite. He said, you've got to go to work with a briefcase, right? Be a gentleman. Like that's, that's going to be your sort of career trajectory. Either choose a toolbox or a briefcase, one of those two. And, um, I said, I said neither. And, um, yeah, mate, I just, uh, just thought that the controlling your own destiny was just a far better way to live your life. Um, it's more fun for me anyway. Some people love to do it slowly and surely and more conservatively, but I just love living on the seat of your pants every single day. It's thrilling. And um, I'm doing the thing that I love. And uh, let's always say, right, do the thing that you love and you, you won't have to work a day in your life. And I certainly feel that way. That's a, that's a fantastic introduction, man. So there's so much in what you just said. So uh, I believe we are we just raised with those paradigms, you know, with those stereotypes or those sort of uh, uh, profiles or personas that you expected to become. And pretty common uh, still today in our society. So, you know, I have that sort of expectation of what a career looks like and et cetera. So, and when we try to do something different, it looks like you, you know, you're not fit in that place and et cetera. So, uh, and, and, and I love what you talk about. Uh, well, I personally, and, you know, people have been, you know, hearing these stories that, that, that I was able to share before is, is the example of our mums. So and I wonder how hard it was for them. Uh, you, you mentioned, you know, the difficulties of, you know, English not being first language or, or, or but, you know, and overall, even the expectation of society. So a mom with young kids, you know, should be at home uh, as opposed to being a successful uh, entrepreneur. So and those, and those role models, uh, you know, really permeate. Another thing that you mentioned as well that for me is pretty relevant is that sort of, uh, you know, when you, when you know what it is uh, to come from a more uh, humble background and, and, and you want something else and, you know, you feel like that, you know, that's not exactly where I want to be. I want to change this. And I think the change in the game has a lot to do with that. So uh, in, in talking about that, then, so can you, can you uh, share with us what is your experience with uh, education? You know, so what, how that early education helped you in this journey? Hmm. Well, another good question, Wilson, because I think um, my answer to this is probably, you know, again, going to be um, what people don't expect is that um, my early, I was, I was a terrible student, number one, like firstly, like a, an absolute um, delinquent when it came to education in primary school and in high school. I think I've shared this before, but um, where do you have to open up the plastic of a textbook two days before the text to actually read what you're going to be examined about. I just didn't have the attention span to really care about the formal education system, especially at the very early sort of young age. And uh, I just remember the report cards and me and my parents going out to the parent-teacher sort of interviews. And um, mm. back then the, the, the rating was um, like um, either very good, good, um, satisfactory uh, below expectations and just that those initials BE <laughs> and let's just put it this way everything was mostly BE or S I never got a I think I got one very good for um, uh, I think for physical education but um, outside of that everything else was was quite sort of poor so there was no early education in the early childhood whether or not um, I'd sort of go anywhere with my life academically but as um, as time sort of passed on Wilson um, the biggest sort of change came from 
uh, another interesting story, which was um, the classic that you get right now. And this is not just me. Everybody has had this type of story when you in high school, year 10 um, and in, in WA, for those that are listening all around Australia, you, you graduate when you hit year 12. And um, one teacher just said to me, um, Dan, you're not, you're not going to amount to anything in your life, right? So there's no point, you know, sort of trying. And I just remember hearing that and also some other uh, thoughts from uh, some relatives saying, you know what, stop that. You know, I think I can prove this guy wrong. And then I ended up graduating the top of my class in year 12. And um, I think the, the person that was reading out the announcement that I'd won some type of award had to like double check and point to my name on the paper going, hang on, is this right? Is this a typo? And um, it, it just goes to show that um, when you put your mind to something, you can achieve it. And um, there was certainly no prior indication that uh, I do um, reasonably okay in high school. But then Wilson, what that did is it gave me the confidence to say, well, if I can do that, you can do other things. And you know, I got to go to uni and um, again, I was a bit lazy in year one and two, but did really well in year three and four. Um, and then, yeah, got to go to the United States and study at, um, you know, some pretty cool universities there and uh, also do quite well academically, which kind of just proved out um, you've got to do something that you're really passionate about, that you really enjoy. I did mine out of spite initially, but then I come to really enjoy the academic process. Um, how has education helped me, Wilson? Look, I would say that 75% of it um, is not valuable um, in my instance. Some other people, it may be completely and utterly valuable. I think the key thing that I got out of education is actually how to think and some key concepts about how the board works um, that made me more curious to uncover more and, and spark some curiosity. And some of those principles still stay with me today. And uh, But that came much later in life. That came in like... Uh, post bachelor education it didn't come up in high school and you know the early days of going to uni it certainly came afterwards but mm. yeah the game has changed now i think um you can you didn't have youtube back in my our day right you didn't have the ability to go and find out all this information and so my thought right now is that the way i learn now my pedagogy is the world wide web that's that's yep. where i get my infinite amount of um, wisdom from specialists and experts. Um, yep. Yeah. So I love it, man. So uh, look, uh, again, things that you're saying that, you know, we, we, we see coming again and again and again. So one thing in education that I have seen more and more, and I'm very interested in is this, this sort of concept. So we have uh, the traditional education, you know, as a primary and, and, and high school, uh, and that's pretty much that has a format of training you to be tested by an exam. So, uh, and what ended up happening is that majority of the students just uh, disconnect with that, right? So, uh, I was in, in the beginning of my uh, education, I was quite opposite to you, but I used the word delinquent. That's, that's not, <laughs> that's away from what the meaning of that uh, the word is. But what I, uh, look, I, I was able to, I was, uh, uh, let's put this way, so I'm very grateful for, for some gifts because I was able to uh, study in the, you know, the day before the exam and get a very good mark, right? So, but that, I almost feel like being a fraudster, like, you know, as a, I, w I wasn't studying as the school was expecting. I'm still hitting that mark, so, you know, making the, uh, the parents proud somehow. Uh, but to a very good extent, I was disconnected as well, right? So because if I was able to, you know, to have that outcome studying the land in, in, in the previous day, 
So imagine if it was exciting and et cetera, and I would put more effort there. Imagine what that, can, that, that could come up. And what, I, what we see in school today is that majority of the students actually completely off. Like so is, is the concept of presenters, they come and attend, but they're not connected. They're not listening to what the, you know, the, the, the lecture is saying or anything like that. So we do need to look at education and how we, how we, uh, how we provoke this passion inside the kids, you know? Uh, uh, and I, I think they would unlock a potential that I, I, I don't think why we're not doing that yet. So, and funny enough, you talk about the fact that you changed the game there again as well. So you found some sort of spark that made you, uh, you know, to be that awesome student that, you know, that hit the marks and have the performance academically speaking. And what it seems to be the trigger for that is just that, you know, you, uh, first of all, so you stop to believe that everybody was telling you was, you know, the thing you should be doing. So, you know, as a... You, you, you got that sort of uh, entrepreneurial sort of sort of saying, I'll chase this, I'll do something different, I'll prove everybody wrong. So, which is quite nice. And that gives you the spark, the motivation. And in with the motivation, so we is unstoppable, isn't it? So, awesome there, man. Uh, then, uh, you introduce yourself as Dan from We Money. Uh, well, I'm curious. Tell us what WeMoney is. WeMoney is a social financial wellness platform. Uh, what does that mean? Uh, look, I, I think at the sort of core essence is, um, you know, the reason why WeMoney exists is to solve a couple of key problems. Um, and I'll go back to why we call it a social financial wellness platform. But I think the number one thing that I saw, Wilson, over the course of my career predominantly in financial services is that uh, everybody knows or has experienced a negative or bad effect with money at some point during their lives. And uh, the issue is that a lot of people don't talk about these bad negative issues um, until they become insurmountable and they, people dig themselves into really bad holes. Mm. And we think if we sort of double click and find out what the root cause problem of that is, you know, some, some might say it's education. Some might say it's that there's not enough courses to prepare people for the real, real wide world when they graduate high school or, or things like that. Uh, the reality is, is that we we're living today in a very complex uh, world and none could be more complex than our finances. When we start thinking about, we had very simple needs a hundred thousand years ago, right? We were running away from cheaters in the Savannah. Um, mm. it's either you live or you die um, you ate what you killed that day and there was no sort of concept of sort of saving or preserving wealth whereas today you know if we talk about the spectrum of someone's financial life you know you just add up all the potential interactions you have with your money and you can see how this can become really confusing to manage so number one we've got our traditional relationship with our core bank where we transact with our bank and pay our bills and get that's how we deposit it into. We have a credit card. We have a buy now, pay product. By the way, we also have PayPal, which we use for shopping. Mm. And then we have a superannuation account that we think about maybe once, you know, a year, once every five years. And when you start thinking about the totality of your financial life, you've got to make all these intricate decisions to optimize to get the best outcome. At the extreme end, the bad end, Wilson, is that a lot of young people in particular can get caught up in, you know, these debt cycles and debt traps where 
they over optimize for um maybe short-term things right so i'm going and buying um, a, a dress for a party on the weekend and um i'm going to buy that on my buy now pilot account and i've got rent to pay on tuesday well mm. unfortunately we, we we tend to make these very short-term decisions but ignore the long-term implications and so this is an area and challenge that we want to solve for where we think the solution in this space is uh, abstracting away the decisions that we need to make on a day-to-day and putting our finances uh, as Elon Musk likes to say on autopilot, right? Uh, not touching the steering wheel, moving from point A to point B. We believe in that same philosophy. We think that managing mm. your money should be as simple as literally you focusing on doing uh, the best that you can in your career, getting the best possible job that you can, earning the most, but then allowing every single dollar to work hard for you. And so we call this uh, future um autonomous money or self-driving money and that's ultimately what we're trying to create here is the ability for you to set and forget your money and and make it work work for you the second key concept wilson is that the we and we money is something that is devoid from the conversation of money which is Mm. uh you don't talk about money with your friends you don't talk about money with your family but we think that there's a future right now which is emerging especially driven by gen z's and millennials where they're very happy to openly talk about how much debt they're in, what they're doing for side hustles, how much the superannuation balances are. And they're doing that because they know and understand they come from a place where sharing actually leads to better decision-making. Because if you can Mm. understand other people's mistakes, other people's wins, you can avoid those mistakes and potentially um, uh, have your own wins by what other people are doing. So we fundamentally think those two things are coming together, this autonomous self-driving money future and doing that socially. And so people can uh, manage their money, do that in a social context that's fun, engaging, exciting, uh, but ultimately optimize so they can get the best things out of, out of life, which is, hey, I'm 20 years old. I'm at university. What's my number one priority? What's to get a job? How can we help you with getting that? By the way, having a job today is not as standard as it was before. Mm. Most people now underneath 25 are doing side hustles. How can we increase the discoverability where you can now increase your income? right? Banks aren't telling you to do that. Banks only want to be your best friend when you want to get a home loan or when you want to get a personal loan or when you want to get a credit card, right? Mm. They don't want to help you through those key critical moments. That's why we think we want to step in to help you along that journey. And then after that, uh, you get your next job. It's saving up your housing deposit and that journey to save up and rigorously spend less more money and put more money aside. Yeah, banks may be good at telling you, here's an account where you can earn 1.5% of interest, but not telling you, by the way, your skills, Wilson, mm. um, as being a person that's got awesome uh, qualities and say, sharing stories about other entrepreneurs, you could potentially monetize that and earn $200 to $300 more per month, right? Through a sponsored ad deal or whatever else. Yeah, this is where we, we think the future of money is going. And we need tools to help people on all aspects of the financial life, not just on those key critical moments. So the rest of what we want to be is every single stage of your financial progress is helping you achieve those next goals and um, helping be your, your best friend with your money and to do that together with other people that are also navigating the similar money challenges. Uh, that's what we money is about. That's what we're focused on. People are still wondering, well, what does it do? Well, look, what does it do? It does these simple things. You can connect over 230 accounts to we money to give you a full sense of your financial picture, monitor and track your credit health to make sure that 
If you've got a low credit score, how do you improve that? If you've got a high credit score, how do you maintain that and then leverage that high credit score to get a better deal on borrowing in the future? Mm. Um, a sense of community, the ability to interact with others, follow other cool people doing awesome things with their money. And then finally, Wilson, is mm. we want to take away the friction of getting the best possible deal and outcome. So when the when it, when those stages in your life come up where you need to consider, hey, what's the best possible home loan for me? Where should I be consolidating my superannuation? We want to give you the best hints and tips to understand what best product you can get, but do that in a very frictionless way so you don't have to worry about managing your money and, and that being a very simple process in your life and taking away all those headaches. That's what we're about. That's awesome. So there are so many things I like in what you said, man. One thing that comes very clear then is that you so you, you look so emotionally connected with this problem, right? So it's, it's uh, the perception that I have of genuinity in you, in you, you know, really wanting to solve this problem for, for you know, the younger generation that, you know, not necessarily financially educated in that sense. So interesting things you mentioned. So one of the things that you mentioned was uh, get the money to work for you, right? So uh, interesting, getting the money to work for you is something that I read maybe 30 years ago in a book called uh, Poor That Rich That. Mm. And I remember that being quite significant for me because in my 20s, I was... You know, I, was, I wasn't non-educated in a sense. So I was doing my engineering course. I was very good in maths, but I was trapped in debt as well. So I was, you know, with that sort of illusion of trying to, you know, to create a life that not necessarily is the one that I can afford still. Uh, and that would, you know, causing me, you know, the credit card trap sort of, you know, uh, working to pay interest to banks. And uh, for me, that concept of uh, having the money working for me was kind of uh, eye-opening sort of thing. So, you know, as I'm, I'm tired of being working to pay interest and somehow that, uh, that created sparked a spark that, you know, made me something, do something different. So I'm so happy that now, as you mentioned, you know, with uh, uh, the opportunity to be educated through uh new you know information in the web or, or or new services like the ones that we money providing that can enable you to you know to go that to go through that journey uh, uh to find how to go through that journey so that's quite significant i guess so i i love it i love it so uh i'm pretty sure uh it is clear for me as well so the, my, my next questions will be leading more toward to uh, the venture itself and how you differentiate yourself to others and etc. And I can see that in that sort of very busy environment of uh, the fintechs. So I can see where your differentiation is coming through, right? So, and, and, and your passion is pretty core on that. So uh, thank you for that. So then, uh, and, you know, launching a new venture and being in this startup world, so one of the things that I want to talk about in this, you know, and, and, and this uh, new season of the change in the game is about uh, having access to capital. How can you, you know, how can you go through the journey of growth? And the question I have for you to, to start with is, is 
uh, how your journey has been that sort of capital raising or having external investors to help you in the journey on how hard or easy that is? Wilson, it is never easy. Is the short is the short answer. I think uh, any any it, most so most entrepreneurs. So this is what you what most people looking at the outside um, see, but you can't really see what's happening on the inside out. Is that you? If you go to TechCrunch and you see all the releases, hey, this company raised ten million dollars. This company raised thirty three million dollars. What you don't see is you don't see all the companies that didn't make it right in their in their fundraising process. And the reality is is that everybody who starts a fundraising process probably around 20% of the companies end up closing any money at all, right? So that's just the reality on the ground is that raising money is very difficult and tough and challenging. And I think anytime you see um, all these success stories is because there is a bias towards those stories being published. And mm-hmm. I don't, I think that's important for entrepreneurs to listen to because they shouldn't be um, discouraged by the fact that it is very hard, painful, time consuming to do. Um, and that should give them a firm expectation of what they should think about when they do start a capital raising process and what building blocks they need. In terms of um, my situation, Wilson, you know, we had a, 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 a startup before we money called Switch My Loan, which we bootstrapped and exited to an ASIC listed company. And that was uh, a huge, massive failure on my behalf that I couldn't raise money in that first business because they didn't have the skills, they didn't have the network, I didn't have the know-how and how to pitch. But that very painful process of not being able to uh, raise capital in that business actually set us up for how to raise capital at WeMoney. And um, mm. people, when we first, um, we, we, we raised 500 grand before we started off WeMoney. And that 500 grand check um, was closed in six days. And people say that is like a, a really big achievement, but it, it actually wasn't because um, all those people that had followed me through that journey from Switch My Loan were the first people to say yes because they saw the journey beforehand and had known me for five, six, seven years. Mm. Um, and then they introduced me to the good people like you and other people that also joined us on that journey um, that you know I didn't have a, a really established Rolodex for. But what I did have was a core group of people that I'd followed with and I'd asked for help and support, asked for mentorship along that journey. It's yeah. the kind of a famous saying is that you ask for money, you get advice. You ask for advice, you get money, and I think for us that's uh, that's been like an incredibly um, important truism as uh, as we progress through our fundraising journey. Very nice. I never heard that before. I love that. So you ask for you know, ask for the money, you get advice. You ask for advice, you get money. So oh, I will explore that. So first first time that I hear that, but I but I can see where it comes from. Very good. So. Uh, what I'm getting from what you're saying, Dan, is uh, uh, one, you know, that there is, uh, if there is any myth out there saying that's easier for this, you know, this group or that group, that's, uh, that's just not true, right? So it's not easy to, for anyone. So we normally don't see the journey uh, that those companies or business or founders have been, you know, we, we, we normally don't see the journey in the news. So we just see the outcome of something that was uh, tough work, painful, and 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 I'm very happy for you that you you know as being able to uh, well uh, being working hard and actually get as an outcome uh, some support to your business. That's good. So is that a uh, you mentioned that you you ask for advice and you get money. So of of course you were able to raise on that you know that helped you in the beginning of the business. So. 
as an angel investor, and I tend to say that uh, you know one of the things that an angel investor aims to do is is to more genuinely help you know the founders. That sometimes comes with uh, you know as a, I could be cynical about it because at the end of the day you want a return of your money, but uh, but that's a, is a genuine struggle with my head as an investor. So I do uh, genuinely want to help some business. So have you, have you, were you able to, to get help from those investors that went beyond money? 1000%. Yeah, 100%. I think there's, um, you know, every single person on our cap table, I'd say most of them um, have provided some help in some way, some more than others. Um, uh, and, and I think, you know, you're a case study of that, Wilson. I think when we, uh, you know, first um, had you join you know, our cap table, um, your instrumental help on providing us uh, comparables out in the South American market and helping us with understanding, you know, our go-to-market strategy was incredibly helpful mm. um, in terms of that initial approach when we were launching our product last year. Uh, I would say other investors are really good in providing um, you know, detailed, nuanced advice that are former entrepreneurs. So they're probably more around the business building side of, um, you know, building a venture and how you sort of scale that less the day-to-day tactical element. And, um, you know, some are really good in terms of making introductions to investors. Um, and I think we've done a really good job of um, getting some high quality people onto our cap table that can help us along that journey and vision. Um, we also have uh, some great fintech industry insiders, you know, people that are, have been part of the Australian finance ecosystem. We've got people that are more on the capital side. We've just got a large, diverse set of stakeholders that can help us along that journey. And I think to date, um, anytime I've asked for help, everyone has been there and uh, people have been forthcoming with their help as well. So I couldn't be more thrilled with that. Um, and just one, one sort of, I wouldn't say piece of advice, but something for people to think about is that, the biggest mistake that I made, Wilson, is I got so caught up with trying to raise capital from people that I didn't even know, right? People that I had mm. no relationship with, people that didn't know me, my background, or my track record, right? Mm. What I what I ended up finding from serendipity through a fundraising process is I told people that I knew about a cap raise, and they said, "Oh, by the way, could I invest?" Right, so we actually got out more investors <laughs> from people that we knew for for five, six, seven years of working together in other roles or, um, you know, my, my managers who um, I reported to in previous sort of positions that saw, um, you know, how I operate as an individual and um, saw the creation of what we're trying to do at WeMoney. And I, I think that if, if entrepreneurs are starting that journey of raising cash, go to people that have known you the longest because those people will make a decision based on you, the individual. No amount of spreadsheets, no amount of, Google Slides pitch decks are going to cut through in the early angel stage of making a decision to invest Mm. than you as an individual. So that would be, that would be where I would start again if I had my time is go to the people that know you and and trust you the most. That's a very good one. So uh, it's interesting because I am, you know, as a uh, professional services, you know, technology and business consulting business. And, you know, that sort of trust is, is a very important word in that sort of thing. And what, again, what sometimes we don't know that trust is like that, so that the reputation that's built through time and hard work and et cetera. So, and, and also highlights the importance of, you know, every piece of work that you do through your journey, 
if you do, if you know, professionalism and passion and excellence that builds up. So, you know, the, it highlights the importance of keeping, you know, keeping true to yourself through that whole journey. Uh, that's, a, that's a pretty good one. So then we come into uh, the 30 minutes that we talk about in terms of, uh, you know, what this conversation uh, should be around. Uh, look, I'm very happy with this conversation with you because uh, we pack so much in these 30 minutes. So, you, you know, I was very uh, lucky to have you as the, as the first uh, guest in, the, in this season because, you know, you ask one thing and you unpack a whole lot of components in those answers that you provided. So thank you very much for that. So if I have to uh, end with one uh, final question uh, at, at, this, at this opportunity. So then young people that is looking at entrepreneurship as a, as, as a, as a path for their career journey. So, and, but they are unsure whether that's for them or not. So would you have a piece of advice for them? I do, and it's just give it a go, right? I think that, you know, you, the mistake that a lot of people make when they're young, and I saw that in myself, is that you're 20, you've got time to make mistakes. Make as much mistakes as you want to, right? When you get older, it's difficult to make mistakes because you've got other stuff. You've got a wife, you've got kids, you've got bills, you've got a mortgage, right? Before you accumulate all that stuff, which you can, you can wait and leave that to as long as possible, what you won't get back is your time. And if you have an idea, doesn't matter how crazy it is, doesn't matter how many people tell you how bad it is, you're going to get startup people, people who have ideas, the most over-advised people, right? Yeah. What matters is giving it a go and finding out if it works. And if it works, awesome. If it doesn't work, hey, you've just realized and learned something that you can add to your resume, which is going to beat any other course that you do at uni, any other course that you do at high school, is go out there and give it a go. And it doesn't have to be big. You don't need a lot of money for it. Is there something that you can do to express an idea at the lowest cost formal way to get something up and going? And it could be as simple as setting up a little consulting business. You can prove that you can actually earn a dollar from another person, that you can prove that somebody else is willing to pay you for your services. If you do that 16 years old, you know, what confidence is that going to give you when you're 20 years old to say, hang on a second, I'm actually, my time is worth something. And uh, can you create a product? Can you create a service? Um, the other thing, uh, Wilson, that I think is really cool if you're this way inclined is that if you're really into, um, you know, coding, um, and exploring that as an option, give that a go as well. Because, you know, the best thing that you can do today is if you understand a little bit of code, you don't have to actually build your business yourself, but it gives you the appreciation on how to build things, right? And how things work. And that is also a really awesome skill. And there's a massive movement now of what they call no-code startups. So you can actually create a startup now. We're piecing together like different pieces of technology to create a business. And that's what I feel really excited about is that there's, we had it much more tougher, right? I'm sure you had it even more tougher, awesome, right? <laughs> but now there is no excuse, right? There is no excuse for giving something a go, giving it a crack, and there's no risk to, to doing that. So that would be my advice is give it a go. Very nice, man. Uh... Look, that's a, that's, a, that's a good mantra for the way to change the game, isn't it? Give it a go. So uh, it's not going to happen if you don't do it. So thank you very much, uh, Dan. Everyone, 
this was the you know the first episode of this new season of changing the game we had here today dan from we money i'm very grateful for that and um waiting for the next one the, the, the next opportunity to be with you guys thank you very much thank you dan thank you wilson 